Tonight I'm excited and captivated um, just by the love for the body, uh, the appreciation for what God's done here in our in our midst. Amen. We've been here for uh, two and a half years now, and uh, it's a blessing uh, to be a part of everybody's life here. And I just wanted to share that with you tonight. And so uh, in the beginning, I want to get the message out to what I'm trying to say tonight. That way, if I stumble through uh, terrible preaching, uh, reading of the word, then you'll get the point. Amen? Amen. All right. So um, the gist of the message tonight that God's put on my heart is that, um, I'll tell you, well, let me start where, where God gave me this revelation at. So, uh, Joy, if you could put up that picture. Um, I've seen a picture. Somebody told me uh, of one of the ideas of what this meant. And I was riding on a church bus with a group of uh, our homeless friends, bringing them um, back to the streets. And um, as I looked back and I was sitting in the uh, driver's seat and I looked back in the mirror, um, I seen um, Nolan. And Nolan being um, his, his charismatic personality, uh, was uh, hanging out with the guys in the back, speaking to him and talking with him. And I noticed and I looked back and I could see uh, that he was intermingling with them in a beautiful way. And it was a beautiful picture of me of what fellowship looked like. And when I look back, I seen, I seen some men that probably needed to be uh, redeemed. I seen some that were redeemed. I seen some people that were probably what uh, the world would call mentally ill, some that weren't. All different types of people. And as I look back and they were intermingling and I could see the Holy Ghost just moving through the bus. And uh, it was a beautiful thing of a picture of fellowship to me. And what it looks like is we move forward in the kingdom. We move forward with each other and we link arms and, and uh, move forward towards Jesus and pressing on towards the goal with each other. There's all kind of different people in our life. This is the beauty of fellowship. And so to me, there's a healing in fellowship. And so what we have sometimes is we have uh, some people that want to fall off, uh, maybe fall out of fellowship. And they want to be an island to themselves. They want to, don't want to be on the same boat, if we would say. Right? And so what they did is they secluded themselves. And so therefore they fall outside of the fellowship. Because the only thing that happens with the island is it's surrounded by shallow waters and predators. And so... When I, see, when, I, when I think about fellowship, I think about us being on one ship, maybe on a journey in a sea, maybe headed to an island or maybe coming from an island. So when I see this picture and I see SOS written on it, um, from what I know and what I understand, that SOS would be save our souls. And if I was on an island, I would write this in the sands so that somebody would come and rescue me. So it's almost like it's a distress call or an amber alert of sorts. And I believe that just like this beach in this uh, picture, what we see, <coughs> that the message is written on the sands of man's heart. Yeah. And it's crying out, save our souls. And so when we see uh, men on the street broken and um, uh, in distress, they're crying out, save our souls. But not only that, the people are, that would be on the boat, maybe even us, are still crying out that same message, save our souls. Because when it comes down to it, we're not saved, but we're being saved. Amen? Amen. Well, um, I remember uh, Wednesday, 
Uh, the last Wednesday, uh, when Pastor Eric preached, he talked about the importance of a community of God. Do you remember that? Yes. How holiness and purity kept us flowing in the right direction. Um, Pastor Matt taught on the importance of remaining in the vineyard. You remember this? How the uh, how in the vineyard that you uh, that was the importance of being pruned, um, and how we must produce fruit. Out of John 15. He answered, am I my brother's keeper? At least he did to me. And the answer was, yes, I am. Amen. How did he do that? He named it. He said uh, that I needed you and you needed me. Did we get that? Yeah. I mean, did we really get that? Yeah. That means my quality of salvation depends on my relationship with you. <coughs> Understand? I said, you can walk, you can walk in Jesus and walk in fellowship with the Holy Ghost. But this was meant to do with each other. This was meant to be linked and uh, linking arms and doing with each other. This is called fellowship. Amen. Next slide. In First Timothy, if you would turn with me there, please. Tonight, our message is. SOS, save our souls. Can somebody give me the date? I'll say it. February 27th, 2013. Amen. Do we remember Abraham's descendants being like the sands of the sea? Right? And so this is where I think when I, when I think about the sands of the sea, I think about the descendants of the faithful and how the message can be embedded in the faithful. 1 Timothy 1, 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We did not forget that. Although we're on, we're on the journey, and in, we and ourselves are being saved, our goal is to save sinners through us, of whom I am the worst. But for that reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his ultimate patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. I love this prayer. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Hmm. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight. Y'all remember Matt's message? We talked about his testimony, going from the, from, from the dream to the reality, going from the promise to the reality, and what it took was a fight. It took a fight the whole way. He never could give up, and because he didn't give up, he seen the reality of the promise that was put in him. That was a great encouragement to me. You see, if we didn't have Brother Matt, and he didn't have that testimony to give us, then we wouldn't have something that we could chew on the fight for the next day. Because I needed to hear that for that day so that I could keep fighting and not give up. It says, so that by following them, you might fight. And if you're going to fight, you fight the good fight. Holding on to the faith and to a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked. Their faith. So what happened was they failed to fight, and so they lost their grip on their faith, and their conscience slipped away. Three times 
In 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul charges Timothy in holiness and in purity. He gives him three charges. And it, all three of them are in holiness and purity to stay within the fellowship. Turn with me to Hebrews 11, 7. <coughs> he spoke of a shipwreck. And in order to uh, have a shipwreck, that means you must first have been boarded on a ship. You agree? <coughs> so tonight we're talking about fellowship. We don't want to lose that point. Two fellows on one ship. Does that make any sense? Yeah. All right. So for two fellows on one ship. And so Pastor Eric's taught us this uh, principle. This is a Hebrew principle. Uh, I'm going to say it's Mepnia Tukum Haolam. I think that is shown in Hebrews 11, 7. And uh, we know it that, uh, that it means for the sake of repairing the world. Have we heard this song before? Yeah. Right? I heard, when, I, when I read this, I hear the song that we sing. For the sake of repairing the world. For the sake of the repairing the world. And also that we being repaired as we repair the world. So God captivates our heart. Sets us into the body. And as we go and do God's will. We in our own self are saved. Are repaired. This is it. It doesn't get better than that. Hebrews 11, 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to do what? Save his he built a boat to save his family. He built a ship to save his family. And so what I'm trying to get, get together here, and, and in my mindset, when I see this scripture, is that God has built a fellowship in order to save his family. He's, he's built a hundred people on one ship to save his family. We are his family. We've got we to gotta understand uh, the, the power of the community. The healing factor in the community. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of, uh, heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Matthew 12, 46, 50. While Jesus was still walk, talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is your mother and who are your brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Now I am blessed to have my mother and my stepdad within the fellowship, within this Salvation of Jesus. Amen. But we don't even live in the same town. We live separate, different, separate lives. And so one of the things that happened here is when God uprooted us and set us into a new place, he took away all our families so that we learned to depend only on him. Not only that, he, he wanted to show us. He wanted to show us that what he would do would he would build the family of God. And what he was trying to do was make us eternal-minded. I want you to look to your left and your right. You need to get used to these people because this is a for eternity. You got to get used to each other. You say, I don't know, you know, because this person, you know, yesterday I couldn't handle it. But you need to know something. You better get used to me. I hope you like me, but it's all right if you don't because we'll have our eternity to work it out. Amen? Amen? 
Jennifer left. Jennifer left. My wife Jennifer uh, left her hometown, and so her connection with her, with her sisters were pretty broken because because uh, they were really intertwined in daily action. But what God did with for her was add uh, even more and more sisters than she ever had. Not only that, He added godly sisters. He added somebody that would build to her life. And so did he did me. Have you ever had to disfellowship with an earthly brother or sister, mother or father? That's not very easy. I mean, you have to choose Jesus over them. Maybe they're in the same room or the same house with you. And you have to say, no, I'm going to choose Jesus. And this means for the rest of our life, we will not speak. Or we will not, you know, have fellowship with one another. Because your standard is not Jesus. Yeah, it gets real real there, doesn't it? Yeah. Who is your mothers and your brothers? You know what I'm uh, thankful for and so appreciative of? That even though I don't have my mother and father that have to do life with me, that God's added mothers and fathers to me, like Miss Joe, Mr. Charlie. To me, like a brother, like a mother and a father. And you know what that means? I need them to act like a mother and a father. I need my brothers to be Jesus to me. I need you, Joe, to be my brother. And I need you to be Jesus, the character, to me. I need that. I depend on you. The quality of my salvation depends on how you interact with Jesus every day and vice versa, me to you. Amen? Amen. We need each other. We really got to get this. There's a healing factor in fellowship. Fellowship. I love this. In the medical community. If anybody's in the medical community, maybe they understand this. But I, I looked this up, and this is the best I could come up with. In the medical community, fellowship was not a, an action, but it was an allotted time period. It was a time period that a physician can join in after receiving the res residency or a hands-on training by the master physician. And then once you did that, you were called a fellow. And it was capable of attending and at times standing in the place of the master physician as a healer and repairer of others. Isn't that something? Inside the fellowship, there is benefits. There's benefits inside the fellowship, but because the Holy Ghost gives you gifts, and it makes you be able to stand in the place of your master physician at times, lay hands on people, and see them repaired. This is what we were called out for. This is what we were meant to be. The healing of the nations. Now, Next scripture. So in 1 Timothy 1.19, Paul charged Timothy to warn others not to shipwreck their faith. That was in AD 63-64. Three years, about three years prior, in Acts 27, Luke gives an account of a divine shipwreck. And so as I'm thinking of this and I came across this scripture, it really pointed out what I was trying to say. So it's always good when you can see it in the word. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Acts chapter 27. Okay. 
In Acts chapter 27, verse 1, we have Paul, and he's on a Roman ship. Paul, and he's with, uh, he's, he's got a group of prisoners. He's with a certain man named, uh, a centurion named Julius, and an imperial regiment. So he's got an army, prisoners, an apostle. There's a group of characters on this uh, ship about getting ready to get on the ship. And so Paul enters the ship, and he's on his way to be tried. But God has other plans. So let's look. Verse 2, they put out to sea, verse 3, the next day. So the second day, as they already are on their journey, the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to the sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the, because the winds were against us. Verse 7, we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving. And I can say that word. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course. We sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salem. We moved along the, co the coast with difficulty and came to the place called Fair Havens near the town of Lessie. Much time had passed, much time we had lost, and the sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul, Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be dangerous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our own lives also. Hmm. There's cost of fellowship. There's cost of fellowship. I was talking about that we need it, that when we have to break fellowship with family members, somebody that may be close to you, might not be a family member, might be somebody who's been a friend all your life. There's a cost to fellowship. But within the fellowship is somewhere. Because there's healing in the fellowship. There's Jesus within the fellowship. And he said uh, that we would lose we would lose our ship, we'd lose our cargoes, and maybe even our very lives. And then we would uh, risk our comfort, maybe, huh? Amen. Verse 13. But when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete before very long. A wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Hmm. Within this fellowship, within this body, any healthy body is going to have some times to where you feel like you're depressed. Anybody had those times? Yeah. Anybody ever said, I feel like sometimes people are in my business? Yeah. I said that. Right? Yeah, because it's a family. Let me ask you something. Within your own family, in your own body, in your own house, you feel like somebody's encroaching, uh, is that the word, on your privacy? <laughs> Don't come in my room. Right? This is a family. And we got to get that. You or my mother, my brother, or my brother and sisters. But we can, this happens. <laughs> yeah. 
So when the gentle wind comes, what do they do? They anchor it. So they love it when gentle wind comes. What gentle winds are uh, good for us is tickling your ears and tickling your fancies. We don't need a gentle wind. We need a hurricane. We need something to blow us along. Amen? Well, it's a big ship, right? It's a big body. We need, some, we need some Holy Ghost power, some force to move us along because I'm going to tell you, your flesh and everything else is going to come against you and it ain't going to be a gentle wind. 17. When the men had hoisted aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. What was amazing was when this, when this hurricane wind came, when all this danger came, when all these, these things were coming against them, all of a sudden men started to work together. Right? They didn't want the ship to fall apart. They started running ropes under it so that the ship would stay together. Why? Because they, were, they wanted to save their own lives. But what it brought was unity. Right? Camaraderie, I think the ship people call it. I haven't even been on one, so. <coughs> <laughs> 18. We took such a violent battery from the storm that the next day they begin to throw the cargo overboard. <laughs> like that? So if you're on a ship and you're about to lose some life, everything's going wrong, it's probably a good idea to lighten the load. Amen? Maybe it's not the ship, maybe it's not the fellowship, maybe you just need to lighten the load. On the third day, they threw the ship tackle overboard with their own hands when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope from being saved. Despair creeps in. At what point do you ask who's in the wind? Right? Just because... Just because it's hard, just because you're being blown here and there, did you ever stop to ask who sent this violent wind? Because when we look at the story, where they end up, it really gives the answer. After the men, 21, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice, 22, but now I urge you, now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. If you'll stay with the ship, not one of you will be lost. 23, last night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sail with you. So keep us so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he had told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. <laughs> God had a plan. What does fellowship look like? What does it look like? Sometimes it looks like a great and mighty wind tossing you from here and there. But if you'll stay on the boat, if you'll stay on course, if you'll stay one with each other, this is what God built us for. This is why he built a divine family. Sometimes we get picked off. Sometimes we jump off ships. Sometimes we try to take the lifeboats. Really? A lifeboat? A life, you can't survive on a ship. In a raging sea, you're going to take a lifeboat? What's that going to do? It's going to seclude you and pick you off even quicker. 
And they tried to do this. <laughs> 29. Fearing that we would dash against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for daylight. Now we got a bunch of men. We got a bunch of men that started on started on a journey, lost as can be, but somewhere somewhere along the line they started to listen to the words of God. At some somewhere along the line the authority started to change. They stopped listening to their self and they started to listen to Paul. He was a prisoner. And they started to listen to the authority, the word that came out of him. And you can see, now they're praying. They're stopping, they're praying, they're thinking. And in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors left the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. <laughs> then Paul said to the centurion and the soldier, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. And just before dawn, dawn, he urged them to eat. He encouraged them. And in 34, he said, I urge you, take some food. You're going to need it. Not one of you will lose a single hair from your head. 36, they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. 38, when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. What they do, there was a change of nature here. They started listening to the words of God. They cast their cares into the sea. They threw their provision into the sea. And they trusted God. And what happened right after that? The day broke. In verse, 40, uh, verse 48, I'm sorry, chapter 28-1, what happens next is an arrival at destination. Put that up, please. So what we have was one apostle landed on the shore and we found out the island was called Malta. So we have one apostle with 275 men captured in a time of fellowship. They arrive at a divinely appointed place called Malta. And so I'll shorten the story for you. What happened on Malta was that they were shown great um, unusual kindness. They built the fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. So through a whole journey, they had this violent, mighty wind pushing them from left to right. And they were always trying to go against, against this, uh, what it was called a hurricane. But God had a plan for them. And where they landed was on the island of Malta. And because they landed in that place, there was a people prepared for revival. People were prepared, prepared for revival. They thought that they were going to along the wrong course, and what ended up happening was they landed right where God had The U.S. National Search and Rescue motto, I love this. It says, you must go out, but you're not required to come back. You must go out, but you're not required to come back. I cannot fulfill God's call in my life unless you were serving Jesus correct just like me I must follow the Lord I must serve Jesus and you depend on me to do that I depend on you and together we glorify God as one fellowship 
In Genesis 7, 1, Noah puts his family in an ark. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. And because he did that, he was saved from the floodwaters of judgment. Today, God's building an ark. Today, God's building a fellowship. An appreciation for the fellowship. There's healing in this fellowship. <coughs> Acts 17, 20, 28 says, In him we live and move and have our being. In Revelation 22, 12 and 16, it says, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. Keeping our eyes on the prize, because when we find out that we shipwreck on an island, that souls need to be saved, we realize that the fellowship and the, the winds that come against us will work. So whether you're an island to yourself, some, uh, surrounded by shallow waters, or whether we're on the ship, the message is the same. It's the same. Save our souls. It's written on our hearts. The message is short tonight, but I want to get to a point. I need you. You need me. This fellowship, it's, a, it's stricken by a great appreciation for where we're at. Joel said it in his prophecy. This is a very simple word. It's a very simple word. Look around. These are your mothers and fathers. These are your brothers and sisters. Do not forsake each other. Do not forsake meeting with each other. There's healing in this body. There's an appreciation. We're such a busy group. We're such a busy group that we go out and we do so much. We do. We do. But we never need to get caught up and not stop. And smell the road we share. Right? to our feet. 